G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. You might be leading your own business. You might have a significant role to play in a business that you work for. Well, a conversation today you're going to be very interested in as we turn our attention to building wealth, building your business, kingdom entrepreneurs, and a theme from Genesis that we need to talk more about, taking dominion. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Taking dominion is the theme of the upcoming Kingdom Business Summit, set down for early March at the Brisbane Royal International Convention Centre. And according to Wes Hone, the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits, the summit is for business people looking to scale their business and deepen their walk with the Lord to fulfill your godly destiny. Wes Hone is a leading faith in business thinker, teaching Christian entrepreneurs how biblical principles apply to the marketplace so they can build highly profitable businesses as well as influence the world around them. Wes Hone, a special welcome back to 2020. It's so great to be back with you, Neil. Wes, let me hit you with the hard stuff up front. You've got a theme for the conference, Dominion, and we're connecting that to Genesis chapter 1. How are you feeling about that as a theme for Christian business people? Yeah, I feel great about it. You know, like, uh, I guess it's what I chose as a theme because I'm seeing this trend where you know, almost society and culture is deciding, you know, what happens in the faith, and that's the wrong way around. Right, you know, it's time for us to, you know, walk in the anointing that we've been given and and walk in the power that we've been given in the marketplace, and start to build businesses for the sake of advancing the kingdom rather than the kingdom of self. And and you know, we've got to, we've kind of got to go all in to be able to do that. And uh, and when we do that, we'll push back the plans of the enemy, and we will start to see even more of Christ in the marketplace. Now, this is interesting because people who are in business might be feeling as though that's a little bit separate to church. Uh, why is church talking about business? In fact, when we come back to that Genesis scripture, it's a little bit like um, we become the dog that wags the tail. Uh, But in this day and age, if you don't connect your Christian faith to having this dominion in your business, it's a little bit like a tail wagging the dog. Got it around the wrong way. Would you agree? Yeah. I I mean, because if if you separate your business life from your Christian life, then you're not really a full-time Christian, which which doesn't make sense to me, right? You know, every single Christian, in my opinion, is a full-time minister. Right. Um, and, and so we minister wherever we find ourselves. And the majority of my time is spent building my business. So why wouldn't I be a minister there? And that'll look different for everybody, but that is my place to take dominion. And, uh, and it's a joy doing it. And these have been building now over, I've lost count of the number of years, the Kingdom Business Summits. And I, but I do remember uh, around that time when things were just getting on the feet. 
Uh, and, you know, there was, a, I think, more than a handful, but you had uh, only a smaller gathering. Things are growing now. People are becoming very attuned to the idea that God is interested in their business. God is interested in seeing their business grow and prosper and be influential. How do you reflect on the growth over the years now? Yeah, I mean, the Christians in business have been a neglected group, I think, for a long period of time across the body of Christ. And so, you know, when I became a believer, I was already in business. And so I looked around for a Christian business network and there was nothing. Um, and so that's when the Lord told me to create one. And that was 20, 2012 that I ran the first one. So that is going back a little while, Neil. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the first one was 28 people in a little room, right? And uh, and obviously this year will be 600 odd people. And, and And all of that to say that you know, I think there's a real hunger, maybe even more of a hunger now than there ever has been to, you know, kind of use their business as their ministry and 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 see the Lord in their business on a daily basis. You know, and I would say the motivation should be less about what the Lord can do for us in our business and more what we can do for the Lord in our business. You know, if we have a redeemed life, if we've laid down our life, then why wouldn't we lay down our business? It's a little bit like the question you asked before about separating your life. I don't understand how you can lay down your life, but pick up your business. If you've laid down your life, you've laid down all of it. And so one of the assets that you've laid down should be your ability to create wealth, your ability to build a business. What about this thought? And here's another analogy, because most of us as Christians, we understand that when we come to faith in Christ, uh, then there is a transformative process that happens in us and we're growing to a level of maturity. And you could think of business as being a little bit like that analogy, because even if you've been a Christian and you run a business, but you think, I haven't actually applied many Christian business principles to this, there's a certain thought there that that transformation process happens as much for our business in the way that it happens for our own lives. Well, it has to, because it, ha- because it happens in our own lives. And so the outworking of the fruit of the transition of our life is our business is going to want to line up to the things of the kingdom. Right. And so, of course, when we when we do business in a way that's pleasing to God, there's obviously going to be a bigger blessing that's applied to our business. Right. That there are blessings that are tied to righteous living and righteous living is not just outside of business. It's in business, too. When we talk about the Genesis Dominion mandate, and there are some that, of course, have taken that to extremes, uh, because while we're going to be talking about it in the sense of what happens in business, uh, some have said, oh, if you apply that all to government and you take it to extremes, it's a little bit like, you know, having a theocracy in place. And uh, that doesn't sound always uh, healthy and and uh, perhaps there's all good good uh, evidence for that from history that you know you don't necessarily need to have a, a complete domination there's a certain sense here though that people can sometimes misinterpret that word dominion and think that it's about domination how do you, do you have any thoughts around that area yeah well the greek word is the word exousia which means a superhuman token of power right so it's not actually about us anyway the concept of dominion. It's not for us to take dominion, but we do have to step into dominion, right? And allow the Lord to work through us. So if you, if we just take it back to the business setting, like you've only got to open the paper, right? And, and there'll be an overthrowing of a CEO, a board, a hostile takeover, you know, some share raid. And, and so there's this corruption that's rife through the marketplace. And that corruption leads to most of society's decays. So if you were to look at the decay in society today, the largest portion of that is from the business world. So taking dominion is simply us going into business in the opposite spirit 
and actually showing people that you can actually prosper better and for a longer period of time when you do it God's way and love on the people during the process, right? And honor people and things like that. When you do it, that's taking dominion. I don't have to take dominion over the whole marketplace. I have to walk out dominion in my life with the people that I interact with. A powerful thought, and no doubt uh, I can sort of feel the cogs in listeners' minds turning when you say corruption in the marketplace, uh, because there'll be an awful lot of people, and you know, you'll have these sorts of conversations with friends uh, in their own marketplace, whether they're in sales or whether they're in some leadership role. Or, uh, there's all sorts of things that don't happen uh, according to a level of integrity that we might like to think is an ideal. So when you've got this corruption, you can identify corruption, then you've got to be able to identify what might be the, the other side of that, uh, a way of doing that righteously. Is that a way that you might bring this sort of concept of dominion into a business setting? Uh, yes, but the answers are already in Scripture. We don't have to come up with new ones, right? It tells us how to handle managers and how to handle debts and how to handle borrowings, you know, and, and how to handle people that want to do the wrong thing and how to handle people that lie. Like we just have to plumb the depths of scripture to find out how to handle all of these things. And being in business, we will get opportunities all day, every day to be corrupt and, and follow the world system. But our job is to be able to spot it, like you said, and come up with the alternative. There's a thought that some might have uh, that because there's quite a widespread corruption, unless I'm in that same corrupt uh, atmosphere of doing business, then I might not make the sort of profit that I need to make to survive. And so when you think about being a Christian in business and applying biblical principles of integrity, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule even, just to pick up a, a simple one, people will be thinking, do I have to, what will happen to me if I actually do start to apply these principles? Should it be something that will cause me to prosper or uh, is that something that's going to cause me to, you know, uh, to languish? Mm. So, the, the, I mean, the, it, the whole inference of the question is self-interest. That's the problem with that kind of thinking. It's like, well, aren't I going to go backwards if I do it that way? Well, who, who's, who's I anyway and why does I matter? So if we've actually decided to, you know, live a life that's kingdom focused, maybe we do go backwards for a period of time, right? But maybe we don't. And so what I have found is if you choose to go kingdom and it may look like you're going to lose, I have seen the provision of heaven in my life make up for what I may have lost in the short term. And that has been far greater than any gain I could have achieved by being corrupt. I have tested the scriptures over a long period of time and they have worked in my favor. So this is the test, because if you're going to jump into the deep end and say, I'm going to be obedient to the principles that God has given me to be a person of integrity in business, then I'm going to need to trust that he is the one who is the provider. He's the one who's going to set up uh, the profit uh, for my business for the year. And that would be testing your own faith because you'd really be out on the water and you're into the deep end. Look, I want to invite listeners to join into our conversation today. 1-800-316-316. You might have your own observation as to what happens in the marketplace around integrity in business, around godly principles. Well, our special guest is Wes Hone. Wes is the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits. There's another Kingdom Business Summit coming up 7th to the 9th of March at Brisbane Royal International Convention Centre at the RNA Showgrounds in Brisbane. As Wes says, this has grown since 2012. 
Now as many as 600 will be in that summit and you might be one of them. Uh, You'll be able to follow that through. Kingdombusiness.global is that website. We're back to talk some more with Wes Hone in a few moments. Wes, there might be a few more uh, thoughts from listeners around you know, hesitancy to change, um, but then the thought that, well, if I do make a change and I'm in the deep end, uh, what would things look like ultimately? Any thoughts from you? Yeah, when you see the Lord come through um, and you see that blessing of God, you really do have to stand in awe. Like you, you, it's very hard to develop bragging rights to your own success when you've decided to apply your faith. You see the Lord move in your business. You're left just kind of standing in awe of God and saying, "Far out! I could not have organized that myself." Um, you know that that's kind of like the the internal part of the process. But externally, right, you're going to see these blessings, and then the question comes: What are you going to do with the blessing? You know, because it comes in many forms, but one of them is going to be financial. What do you do with the blessing? And that becomes the next test in the process. Do you just store it up for yourself and buy flash houses and cars and watches? Or do you actually start to fund kingdom projects and start to see, you know, God's government established on earth and use your little business to play a part in that? And obviously, that's that's where I would like this all to end for people. You know, we, we, we see an offer. The first offering is Cain and Abel, right? And we see a clear picture. One brings the fest, the best fat portions and one brings a few tatty veggies to the table. And he says to the one with the veggies, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to devour you. You need to rule over it. And, and what he's saying is you've got to learn to rule over your self-interest. So come back to 2024 business owners. We make a profit. Here comes the test. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to use it? You know, because obviously we have to, if we have a family, we feed them and we look after them. So that's an element of it. But there's got to be an element where we say, okay, Lord, you know, you've come through for me. I've seen your faithfulness and I want to fund a project. And, and, and then that will just grow and grow and grow and grow over time. And you'll stand back with arms raised, thanking God for everything he's done in your life. I can't remember the chapter and verse, uh, but there's a, a parable that Jesus tells about the business owner. Uh, who's had a good year and there's more grain and and so the business owner says uh, well what shall I do with all of this I think I'll build a bigger barn and I'll store all of this away and I'll be very comfortable for the years to come and the way the parable unfolds is that the warning is you know be careful because I think it's. Uh, I think it goes uh, tonight. Your soul may be demanded of you. Uh, I mean, it's pretty serious stuff in all of that. And I can't think of the chapter and verse. You might like to look that up. But but there's a sense in which some will be doing it tough right now in business. Others will be doing okay and saying, "I'll just uh, store all this up and I'll be right." What you're saying here is that somehow or other, you've got to be able to think about when things are going well, uh, what you do with that asset. Yeah, well, it doesn't require a lot of faith to store up for yourself treasures on earth, right? You know, that you, all you've got to do is, you know, follow s- society, you know, th- th- they'll tell you how to do that. Um, it requires a lot of faith to say, you know what, the Lord's been good to me this year. I'm going to give a portion of that money away and I kind of have to lean on the Lord for next year for it to be good. You know, we, we learned from the Jubilee cycle, right, that we were supposed to kind of hand everything back in seven-year lots back then. And, and and the whole purpose was is that you ate down your grain that you had stored to the point where you have none so that you need God to come through for you in the eighth year or the first year of the next cycle, right? And the 50th year was just a whole year of partying where you, if God didn't show up in year 51, you're all starved to death. And so <clears throat> it required a lot of faith back then, whereas now we've become so independent and we've become so, you know, self-assured 
Uh, and that is a huge problem in our society today. What do you counter as that surplus, though? Because some will say, well, we've got provision for this and we've got provision for that and uh, we've got ourselves set so that we can sustainably uh, run and grow our business. But is there a portion beyond what is that particular sustainable level that you would identify as this is what God's blessing is that he's calling you to do something special with. Yep. So no, there's n- there are no ratios in the New Testament, unfortunately. I wish there was. It would make life a lot easier. <laughs> but basically, Scripture says he gives bread to eat, seed to sow, and seed to store. So there is, a pro- there is an amount that you're meant to store, and you're meant to store it because a, a good father leaves an inheritance to his children's children, right? So there is an element of storing. But the problem is, is that we're doing, you know, little sowing and more storing. So our job as believers, now obviously there's, there's nothing getting between us and God. That's why the veil tore. So we can go to him and say, right, you sit outside of time. You know how much profit I've got now. You know what next year is going to look like. Tell me, God, how, like, how should I apportion my bread to eat, my seed to sow, and my seed to store, and walk closely with him enough that he will guide you on that journey, and then you'll be left speechless at how good he is. I'm always amazed uh, that there are those who are entering their retirement years and uh, I even read an article on the weekend of someone who was uh, identifying their their net worth at around about $4 million but were concerned that they couldn't retire yet because they might not have enough money to live on. Uh, this thought of how much is too much, how much is enough uh, this is uh, no doubt something that listeners uh, will be identifying with as well, just identifying that. Is there some sort of equation you could apply? Is there some special way of thinking about how much is enough? Because we're in an inflationary environment. Things are changing. Uh, maybe what I think is enough today might not be enough tomorrow. Yeah, it, that, it, it is It is a massively changing place, right? So you use the $4 million example. I've got young kids. That's not going to be enough for me. And for some people, they would hear that and think, oh, that's shocking. And, you know, and others would think that that's not enough. So, so everybody's wildly different in what they need. Um, so, so here's what I would say. How much does it cost to live off? Less than you think, right? If you didn't actually look at Instagram, you wouldn't have to spend half of your money, right? Because it actually costs a whole lot less to live than, than society would demand of us. So, so we arrive at the point where we go, the only pattern that I could explain to you for business people is that if your lifestyle is increasing at the rate of your profitability, you're doing it wrong. So if your lifestyle expenses are growing at the same rate as your profits are growing, there's nothing left for anybody else. All your increase is going on your own life. If your lifestyle expenses grow at a lower rate than your profit increases, the delta between those two numbers is the money you can do good works with. So spend you know, spend less than you make, obviously, and over time, keep spending a lower ratio of your profits. Is there something in the thought that contentment comes when you spend time with God? Because you're now very much aware that it's not just materialism, but there are some spiritual eternal issues that take the place of all of those things that really captivated us when we were just materialistically minded. And so if you get to a a heavenly mindedness there, the contentment will come and you'll recognize that you do have a surplus. Yes. But also remember, whatever you give up in this lifetime, you will get a reward in this lifetime and the next, right? It's not just about paying a price here for heaven. It's, there is a benefit this side of heaven that is a reward for laying things down. So why don't we just kind of agree that, sure, um, you know, contentment comes from spending time with the Lord. 
and you won't get much contentment out of the watches, cars, and things. All right. So, so now, and I think it does come from spending time with the Lord. It, it, it tends to come from age, but it doesn't have to come from age. It can come from just a saturated time with the Lord. Somebody at 25 years old can catch such a revelation of the kingdom that they don't spend money on dumb things. For somebody else, it might take them to their 55 to get to that point. But you def- if you stay plugged into the Lord, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Right, And you will want to chase the things of heaven. So the desires of our heart actually are important here because uh, without God, the desires of our heart, they just go to all of those material things. Uh, We're at the whim of those who are running those marketing campaigns that want to sell us a flash new sports car or a huge big house. Uh, But the desires of our heart that come from God, which will bring us ultimate contentment, uh, those are the sorts of desires we hope that God will uh, will grow in our own hearts so that we're serving him in a kingdom purpose. Mm-hmm. So so let's take the sports car as an example. There's nothing ungodly about driving a sports car. Okay, I guess the difference, though, between the sports car being a blessing and the sports car being a curse is timing. If you choose it when you can get it because you want it and it gives you status, it'll be a curse. If you get it because you've chased the things of the kingdom and the Lord understands your heart and he brings you the vehicle at some point, it'll be a blessing because you won't be getting status and prestige from the car like you would have done if you went and chased it in your own strength. Well, I want to invite listeners to join into this conversation. And you might have a theological perspective. You might have a practical issue that you'd like to raise and you'd like to hear some thoughts from our special guest Wes Hone uh, we'll be taking calls after news 1-800-316-316 we're talking about the Kingdom Business Summit Uh, The next one coming up 7th to the 9th of March at Brisbane Royal International Convention Centre at the RNA Showgrounds in Brisbane. There is a website, kingdombusiness.com.au or kingdombusiness.global. Wes, let me get a perhaps even a prediction from you because people in business right now thinking the practicalities, all very good to be talking about dominion and God and the Bible and theology and those sorts of things around business. But what about the interest rates? What about the economy? Any thoughts for listeners who are on that practical level and thinking about the year ahead? Yeah, the truth is just stop watching the news if, if, if you're put off by the economy. I mean, it's going to be great. Like, it's going to be great. We've been here before. We have highs and lows. You know, as business people, we can make money under any interest rate. We can make money under any government. We can make money under any period of time. You've got to remember, as Christians, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so, you know, and this 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 may be offensive, I guess, to the people that are hurting a little bit right now. But the truth is, if we are the seed of Abraham, then we've got to walk in the promise of houses we didn't build, you know, vines we didn't plant, wells we didn't dig, and just stand in that today. Now, you might be thinking, well, how does that work? I've got a business, you know, interest rates are really crippling me right now. But for the small business, we can pivot, we can move, right? If, you know, if, if you're an import business, the interest rates are working against you. But that doesn't mean you can't launch another product tomorrow, right? The, the, for, for every reason that it's tough right now, there are a hundred reasons how you can do something about it that you are in control of. We're not in control of interest rates, but we are in control of our conversion rate and which team we put on and whether we upsell or whether we innovate a new product. And that stuff is a much bigger deal in our life than the one lever the government decide to pull. That, that's why we've got to put ourselves back in the position of a victorious Christian, right, and, and, and enjoy that process. 
Wes, what do we make of the thought that uh, even when you say, you know, don't watch the news, uh, that there is an economy that God has which is beyond the constraints or the sorts of boundaries that might even be set by our federal or state governments, that there is a divine economy. Is that the way you think that Christian business has worked through the centuries? Of course. I mean, I've made money under Rudd. I've made money under Gillard. I've made money under Abbott. I've made money. Like, it doesn't matter to me because those things are out of my control, but there's a hundred more things that are in my control. Right, so so my job is to grow my business regardless. So I can increase my footprint. I can launch a new product, right? And the economy, it's always cat and mouse between the business owner and the economy. And our job is to not get caught up and become a victim of something we can't control, and put all of that energy and effort into the things that we can control. And there are hundreds of them. So if we're looking ahead this year and, uh, you know, and uh, when people are looking to economists and politicians and depending on which side you're listening to is depending on whether it looks optimistic or whether there's a pessimism, uh, as you're looking at the year ahead and as you're thinking about Christians in business, uh, what sort of predictions do you have? Uh, The economy is going to be fine. Um, You know, we're probably, if you just take the bit that we can't control, this is probably... Uh, as bad as it gets, they they put us in this position to try and make the economy bad to slow it down. So it's not a surprise that we're here. That they're, they're going to have to start to repeal some of this over the next twelve months because they're going to have to stimulate again. Otherwise, they'll crash the economy, right? And, and all of that means that there's a there's a huge amount of opportunity today that is a result of high interest rates. So your you know our job is to stay educated and not get poisoned by the pessimistic news stay positive in the promises of God and be on the lookout for the things that the Lord's got for us because there will be I sound like a broken record hundreds of things that we can do that'll help move us forward in a time when everything else is collapsing. And just before we take a call, this thought that if you are uh, putting God in in the helm of your business with you steering together those opportunities that you say, there will be hundreds that you can see. Some people will be thinking, well, I can't see those opportunities. Is there something in a divinely appointed relationship in business that you have as a Christian business person that enables you to understand that, yes, God is bringing you fresh and new and exciting ideas that you'll be able to implement? Yes. So there is there is the idea of ideas, but there's also this notion of like, you know, the reason why we have a counsellor we have a counsellor because we need counsel. And sometimes it's as simple as buy that or, a, or an unction of the spirit, don't buy that or make this decision or don't make that decision, right? And, and of course, if we're not plugged into the things of the spirit, if we're not walking closely with God, we're going to miss those promptings. And if we miss the promptings, then we're just doing it in our own strength, okay? I would suggest, yes, if we stay tight with the Lord, constantly in prayer, constantly in communication, inviting him in, then we will get the go here, go there. And we will see a thousand fold to one side, a ten thousand fold to another, but it will not come near us. 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, let's take a call. Ronald is in Merrimack in Queensland. Hey, Ronald, welcome along. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. What are your thoughts, Ronald? Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, I have a question about uh, small, small business, Christian small business owners. And my question is, uh, when the Yellow Pages was, were still in, in, uh, in use, 
I was often looking and wondering under uh, uh, Christian businesses, and I could never find uh, small businesses with, uh, with, a, with a note, a Christian owner or a Christian business or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that it's not happening in, on Facebook or in, in the modern advertisement as well. And I'm just wondering, why would Christian business owners not do this, uh, advertising them as, as the Christians as they are? Uh, because I, I think they would not only pick up more business from Christians, but as well pick up business from from a secular world, uh, because they know that Christians have a, a good reputation. Well, uh, some of us all remember the Yellow Pages, uh, but the thought here that Ronald has is, uh, how do you identify the Christian businesses? Because not everybody has a little fish sign on their business, like you know, you'd often see, you know, in a in a, a business advertisement, there'd be a little fish, and that'd be an indicator. Oh, that's a Christian in business. Some are even doubtful about whether they'll get the best service if they go with a Christian in business. Uh, thoughts here for Christians in business and networks uh, from you, Wes? Yeah, well, I love uh, Ronald's faith, <laughs> assuming that if they're a Christian in business, they're going to do a good job. Um, you know, I think, okay, so there was actually a publication in Brisbane that was a physical publication. And it right. was the Christian Business Directory. Directory, mm, yeah. Mm. Um, and there are other people online that have tried to pull together Christians in business as a network, and you can go online and find them and search by industry. I'm not sure where those guys are at today. Um, it's the, the hard problem is you're advocating for some people. Like, it, okay, it's easier to put a fish on your business card than it is to live up to the things of the kingdom, right? It's the same as when people put a Jesus fish on the back of their car and then they drive the car like they just stole it, right? It's just not good for the branding of the fish. So it's a little bit like that in business. So here's what I would say. In the absence of having a directory where we can all kind of shop together, I would say if we started to approach our end-to-end customer experience through the lenses of Christ and started to treat people and go above and beyond and go the extra mile, it's not going to be long before we are a talked-about business. And that will mean that we attract more clientele. Are we talking here about trust. I mean, trust is such a powerful motivator for us to be a return client to a business. Uh, If you build that trust, then your success will, in some sense, be guaranteed. Definitely. Um, But And the way that you foster trust is is through their experience. Anybody that says, trust me, we're not going to trust them because they said, trust me. But if, um, if somebody treats you in a way that's trusting, then you'll trust them. And so with our business, we've just got to think about the experience our customers have. Go above and beyond, show them an expression of the kingdom rather than put a Jesus fish on the business card, and then we will attract the majority of the clientele. So, Ronald, anything more to add? Because it sounded to me like you're wanting businesses to display proudly that they are Christian. And uh, and what we've heard from Wes here is that may not always be the wisest thing. Any thoughts from you, Ronald? No, I think it makes sense. It makes all sense to me now as as he explained it. Wonderful. Ronald, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Daryl is in Port Augusta in South Australia. Hey, Daryl, welcome. Thank you. What are your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, sorry. I'm going back to what you were talking earlier about the Lord's Prayer. Sorry, it's not about uh, business. But I find it very ironic. The Lord's Prayer is the most uh, inclusive prayer in the world. It's not a white man's prayer. It's for the world. And then 
for the excuse to take it out because of you know multiculturalism. That just bewilders me. Where do they, where do they think these people come from? Non Christian places. There's Christians all throughout the world. And uh, reflection back to our conversation a little earlier with Wendy Francis from the Australian Christian Lobby. We were talking about what's developing in Victoria where there's a debate around the removal of the Lord's Prayer from the Parliament in Victoria. And this is something that's, you know, every now and then rears its head, uh, whether it's our federal parliament or around our states. And in Victoria, you might anticipate uh, that they might be pushing for some things like that. And uh, and I think your thoughts are very good, Daryl, and uh, appreciate you calling through. And 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join into our conversation. 1-800-316-316. Let's keep our focus on business because we're talking today about a very, very interesting part of business, taking dominion. What does that dominion mandate mean for a business today? Does this apply to us in our modern environment? I've got a little scenario to run by you here, Wes, because I wonder if it's possible if you work hard in your business your whole life and you're just in that sort of very secularized uh, atmosphere of doing business just the way everyone else does. You're a Christian. You go to church on Sunday and, uh, you know, you're giving when the offering plate is passed around. And then you get to your retirement years and you've finished business. The realization that you may have missed your calling that God had given to you a gift, is it possible to work your whole life and miss your divinely appointed mission? Yeah, it's it's not only possible, I think it's likely. And, and, I, and that may sound a little bit harsh, but I say that because this kind of conversation is not that common, right? You know, it, it's almost like the scenario you painted was the standard way of doing life for the last 150 years. So yes, it's likely. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is the calling from God is so diverse that it could have even been for somebody that their calling was to just love on their staff that they had for those years and just really nurture people and walk with them. That could have been it. And maybe they didn't do that as well as they could. Or maybe it was they were to take their profits and fund a project that was going to launch the gospel to a new nation, for example, and they might have missed it. So I think the... Rather than miss the calling, I think a better way of framing it is Paul tells us we're going to give an account for the gifts and talents that we've been given. Um, and it's the judgment seat of Christ. And no one wants to talk about it because it's heavy. But and, and it's not a judgment against sin. You and I know the beauty of the message is that that's forgiven. But we are going to give an account for the talents and, and how do we use them while we were here. And I do think, sadly, that there's going to be many people that stand at the judgment seat and, and give an account where they say, yep. Yep, I didn't use every talent that God gave me during my time on earth. There's a success issue, isn't there, in all of this? I mean, what does success look like to you? Uh, And some will say it's going to be retiring and I've sold my business and I'm comfortable for the rest of my life. Uh, Others will say that success comes down to, and let me just be very Christian in all of this, standing before Christ and hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Success in that sense uh, defined according to faithfulness. Um, how do you make sense of that? Because in all of that, you're wanting to make a profit, you're wanting to survive and you're wanting your employees to do well. 
but success redefined, well done, good and faithful servant. Yep. The two things you said are not mutually exclusive. You can have the second and the first at the same time. You can stand before God and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, and at the same time run a profitable business where you've set yourself up and future generations and you retire and you've, you know, in a capitalist sense, been successful. The two should and can work together. You don't have to pick, do I have a profitable business or do I use my gifts and talents? You weave the two together so that you get the joy of doing business and the joy of walking with the Lord at the same time. Let me talk to you about this Kingdom Business Summit because in this age of technology, uh, the whole world is our oyster and you have got Wes Hohn, some of the most outstanding speakers that you could expect to see in a Kingdom Business Summit. Give us a little rundown on on the lineup that you've got this year. Yeah, so, I mean, we uh, one of the things is I try and keep these as business people as much as I can, right? But but we have John Bevere dialing in. And the reason why John Bevere is dialing in is become a friend of mine. But also, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't take a backward step in coming forward. You know, he literally calls out where he sees the body of Christ going in the wrong direction. And so one of his books, uh, X or, or Multiply, was incredibly, you know, confronting for me about multiplying your gifts, like we were just saying. And so he's going to be bringing a message that's basically around like, hey, listen, business people, do this with everything you've got. Collaborate with heaven and let's get this done. And so that's going to be like cool, but kind of unsettling. Uh, Bob Hassan, he runs a, a, you know, a a very, very large painting contracting business. Um, And then Ruth Limkin, who's a local, you know, she's going to be coming around with that mental health, that science base of what we're doing. Um, there'll be another speaker who I'm not going to announce until the event, which will be incredible. He's a local business person who has built a massively profitable business over 20 years, invested in a huge amount of real estate, and now he funds projects with his life. Um, and then, of course, the rest will be me um, talking about practical things like sales, marketing, recruitment, HR, cash flow management, and all the fun things. And I might say you're not just the guys holding it all together because you've got such an incredible contribution to make uh, for those 600 odds. Uh, that are going to be there for this Kingdom Business Summit. And uh, from what I understand, Wes, uh, there's only a limited number of places left. Um, you've almost sold out the venue. I don't know whether you've got a bigger venue that you can change to at the last minute uh, because there's no doubt there's going to be a spike of people after our conversation today are going to say, I need to get to this year's Kingdom Business Summit. But 600-odd um, people, um, that's enough of a crowd to have a fabulous atmosphere when you've got a great speaker. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the feedback I get is these are life changing. So, you know, it's not just two and a half days of, of, of education. We have we have a church and a worship service. Um, we've got City Point Worship coming to, to lead us this time. You know, we'll have a we'll have a din- like a formal dinner. Um, we'll we'll end with a time of prophetic ministry. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing a whole bunch of stuff through this event. But yes, like. This is just an immersion for two and a half days where people can throw off all the constraints of their businesses and their world and their busyness and just come in the presence of God and get trained in the practical things that they can go and apply to scale their business and deepen their walk with the Lord. And this thought of walking alongside someone else uh, who might become a lifelong friend, you can meet that sort of person at this uh, type of gathering because even as one of our uh, listeners who called through saying, you know, how do I find people on a Christian business directory? There's a certain sense uh, that no doubt there'll be some who are thinking this is a great opportunity to, to go and meet some other Christians who are in business and create a network. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got countless stories. Uh, you know, th- there's a couple in South Australia who came to our event, met, now they have married and have children. Um, you know, we have uh, even just at last year's event, there were two people that came together and formed a merger of their businesses to go national. You know, I've got people that, you know, became friends with other people in our world. And now they've been fen- friends for 12 years attending, you know, the, each other's children's weddings and they're traveling together and cruising together. All of that happens because when you get together, iron sharpens iron, right? And and it's just beautiful for business people to be in a room of other people that get them and understand them. Well, who would have thought that there'd even be a romantic matchmaking dimension to uh, to the Kingdom Business Summit? Uh, not too much time left. Uh, let me ask you about dreams because people have been for a long time, if you're in business or in sales, going to long, along to all sorts of you know sales seminars and uh, hearing amazing speakers telling their story. Uh, the thought that you grow or get new dreams, I wonder if you've got a thought here because you might be just at a small level in your business. And I mentioned earlier in the introduction the thought of scaling your business, taking things to new levels. Is, is the way we think about our business, the way we dream about our business, is this all important when you talk about growth? I think it is. I think the Lord's always calling us forward. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to build a billion-dollar corporation. Some will, some won't. Most won't. But, but I think the Lord always wants us to move to something fresh. And, and remember, the number one reason why the Lord wants us in business is so that he can use the vehicle of business to refine us. It's not even about the business. The number one reason that the Lord calls us into business and calls us to a bright future is to use that as the vehicle to grow us. It second becomes the business and the profits and what you can do with it. So yes, the Lord would put a vision in front of you to take you a little bit further than you are or a lot further than you are now because he wants to collaborate with you on that vision and use it so that we become more like him and go from glory to glory. Well, it is always an amazing pleasure to hear the heartbeat of Wes Hone and Wes, the founder of the Kingdom Business Summits. And for those who are looking to scale their business, uh, to deepen your walk with the Lord, uh, to fulfill your godly destiny, you might want to write down the website where you can find out more about the Kingdom Business Summit. And I'll give that website in just a moment, Wes, but uh, you've been known to take this on the road. Now, this one that we're talking about coming up on the 7th to the 9th of March is in Brisbane. Uh, have you got some other plans, other capital cities? Uh, you've even taken this internationally. What's uh, what's the plan for this year? This year, we will definitely do Brisbane and Nashville in America. We launched there last year with a little event. We'll go back and do something a bit bigger this year. Um, there won't be other summits, but if you want the scoop, Neil, there will be a Kingdom Business Tour where we go around the country and do some smaller events through the middle of the year. I look forward to those. And your immediate connection to Wes Hone is going to be kingdombusiness.com.au. Kingdombusiness.com.au. There's another website too called kingdombusiness.global. And no doubt that's the one when you're beginning these uh, business summits internationally. That's really, really an important one too. The Kingdom Business Summit, 7th to the 9th of March at Brisbane Royal International Convention Centre at the RNA Showgrounds in Brisbane. Uh, Wes Hone, thank you so much for taking some time to come and share your thoughts and your heart with us around the Kingdom Business Summits for this year. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, Neil. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.